Well, let's go ahead and take our Bibles and let's find Galatians chapter 5. It's week 3 of our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm sure your heart is already overflowing and full. I love worshiping with you and I just want to encourage us to get right under God's Word here in all of our locations. It is week 3. And we are looking at the fruit of the Spirit in this series called the, uh, it's called Living Proof. And we're connecting the fruit of the Spirit and the kingdom of God and seeing the evidence that the Holy Spirit gives that we do belong to Him and in His kingdom. And so again this week, I want to point your attention, not necessarily to the fruit first, but to whom first? The Holy Spirit. Because we're seeing that the fruit born by the Spirit is more about the Spirit than the fruit. In other words, keep these two words in mind throughout these seven weeks, source matters. In fact, I would even say to you that the source, the Holy Spirit, does seem to plant a primary seed. It could be that loves the primary seed from which the fruit grows. We saw that last week. Maybe, maybe not. There's some different opinions. But it's interesting that this is a singular noun here, the word fruit. So perhaps it means that the Holy Spirit spreads God's love throughout our heart and then it's evidenced in a number of ways. Perhaps those are the ways listed here. Either way, we're enjoying this series. We're in week three. And as you've come to know, I am co-teaching this series with our elders. Each week I'm providing a basic short review and introduction, kind of a a way to keep us focused on the Holy Spirit. And then the elder is providing some insight into one or two aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, Pastor Scott provided some insight into love. And today, Pastor Mike's going to walk us through the next two aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy and peace. So as you begin thinking about how the Spirit grows joy and peace in us, I want you to consider three brief verses uh, as an appetizer today to uh, our main mealtime text, which is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Mike will unpack some additional verses. Can I just give you a, like a, a brief appetizer where these two traits are connected to the Holy Spirit in another passage? It's Romans 14, 15 through 17. Just follow along with me as I read these briefly. In fact, they not only connect joy and peace to the Spirit, they also connect it to love, which is interesting. All three of the first uh, aspects of the fruit of the Spirit are mentioned here. Look with me. If your brother or sister is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to, say it with me, church, love. So don't destroy by what you eat someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be slandered for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, say it with me, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And furthermore, they're not only connected to each other, Paul connects them to God's kingdom, doesn't he? So here's further textual evidence that these traits, this fruit, born by the Holy Spirit, is the living proof that we belong to God in his kingdom. So as I read these Verses from Galatians, Mike joins, join me, he's already joined me on the platform. I like the fact that you're hungry to get up here, Mike, that's good. Come on up and join me, buddy. <laughs> Let me read Galatians 5, 22 and 23 for us. 
And then Mike will unpack more about joy and peace. Here we go. Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Here's the two for today. Joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Pastor Mike? Hey, thank you, Pastor Todd. It's a great privilege of mine to be with you this morning. Um, I've just thoroughly enjoyed um, serving as an elder. don't feel qualified at all. Um, the only thing I don't like is getting up at 5 in the morning and make a six, th- 6 o'clock meeting. If you don't know, we elders meet at 6 o'clock on Tuesdays. And uh, invariably, those are the hardest days of my week. But those first couple hours of the day are very, very much a plus. Um, one of the things I got to thinking about this passage and uh, the two concepts I've been assigned. And I got to thinking about some things that bring me joy. Um, just on a higher level, meeting with those elders in the morning is has been a great joy of mine. And I'm excited about um, announcing to you, too, that we have two more coming on, Brett Stiles and Scott Suzanne coming on board with us to help us in that awesome work of praying for you all uh, and just holding everybody accountable and, and just being used by God and advancing it. So we covet your prayers as we work on that. And then one of the things that came out, uh, we appreciate, too, so many people giving input in this uh, eldership leadership process. So for those of you who gave some in- insight, we thank you so much. We carefully weighed everybody's comments. And uh, I'm excited to be able to say in our fireside chant coming now, coming this uh, spring, we're going to do some um, uh, communication about how our church is run and some of the leadership things. And I think you'll be very encouraged to see how the, God has really just put things together here from a leadership perspective. I know I've been blessed by that as well. Um, now, over the, the last, Leanne and I have been married. The second thing that brings me great joy is my lovely wife. Um, I can't believe she's hung with me for over 40 years. And uh, God has blessed us with three great kids, three great in-laws, and uh, nine grandkids. If you can put the picture up there, that'd be great. You can see them. I couldn't agree more uh, with um, with what someone once said that if you that if I would have known that having grandkids were going to be this much fun we would have started started with them instead of the kids so it, they really are a blast and and it's, it's just been a great joy now onto the passage and the concepts that God has laid on our hearts to look at today we're talking about joy and peace you know, those two concepts go together the interesting thing about the Galatian passage is in each one of those concepts love joy peace uh, long suffering all those in that passage, he doesn't really go through and tell us how to experience some of those things. Like, what are the things that we need to be doing to encourage, like, love, joy, and peace? And so as I was uh, contemplating this, um, I, the Lord led me to a very famous passage, a really um, well-known passage. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take them and turn to Philippians chapter 4. And you'll find in this passage... Um, though our two concepts, so we're going to tear this apart here in just a little bit. As we try to amplify um, how to experience more joy and peace in our life. Now, as we go through this, I want to give a disclaimer. Um, if you're one of here that um, deals with depression um, and you just have trouble um, getting through some things and seeing 
being happy sometimes. I, I don't want this sermon or this message to come across as, as a, another thing where we just pile on to you. Um, I feel your pain. Um, after working with a lot of people that have dealt with depression, and I think in my, fam- my own family, we've, we've seen some of that. Um, it, it's, this is a very serious thing. But the very fact that the scriptures addresses this, I think it's vitally important. And as we look at this passage, it's important for us to remember Paul as he writes this. Where is he writing this from? He's writing this from prison. And so when you hear these words, that amplifies what he has to say and kind of the pressure that goes on it. So what I'd like to do is read this passage. I'll read it, and then we're going to have a quick word of prayer, and then we're going to make some comments on how we can develop these two concepts in our life. And then at the end of it, we're going to give you an opportunity to text some questions in, and we'll address those as time allows. If not, we'll uh, open up a podcast um, and, and answer some of those questions in the meantime. So with that on our hearts, let's read this uh, follow along as I read. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you so much for this passage. It really unlocks for us uh, some concepts that we can grasp hold of really being a joyful person, a happy person, and being filled with peace. So, Father, I pray that as we look at this passage, uh, that you'll point out things in our own lives that maybe we're anxious about, things that we aren't necessarily happy about, and give us some good strategies on how we can come away very calm, and resting in your peace and enjoying the joy that you laid before us. So, Father, bless us in our time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I was serving as a youth pastor, and part of our youth team uh, was the area director for FCA. He was a man by the name of Dave Bauer, great guy, very tall. And we were putting together a big uh, uh, activity. We we're going to have hundreds of kids there, and he was one of our point people. We sent him out in his truck to pick up some some stuff out in the country of Indiana, out in the countryside of Indiana. And um, he was supposed to be meet us back at the church at a point in time. This is before cell phones. Well, Tom, uh, he was typically pretty precise on his time. So when he didn't show up, a couple of us got nervous. And then as a half hour went by, we got more and more nervous. And then as an hour went by, we really got nervous because we needed the stuff that we sent him out to get. So his wife uh, called me there at the church and said, hey, Dave, we can't find Dave. Uh, and I don't have a car. Can you go out and backtrack to see where he's been? So after about two hours, I ended up finally seeing his truck stuck on the side of the road. And it was obvious his hood was up. He was having car problems. And I immediately got out of the car, ran to him, ran to the car, didn't see him anywhere, wondered what had happened. I figured he walked somewhere. But then as I turned, walked around the truck, there was Dave sitting by a tree taking a nap. Now, if you knew Dave, Dave was that type of guy. Nothing rattled him. He lived the life with junior hires and all the turmoil, all the things that went on with junior. I never saw Dave in turmoil. That always impressed me because why was it that he had that spirit? And I think it's because of many of these things that he's going through here. 
Now, um, I, that's what we want to center in on. How do we develop that attitude? Well, there, this passage gives us several things. First thing that we can do is we can celebrate God's goodness. Now, in this passage, it has four aspects of joy, and it begins with this. You'll notice in this passage, he begins by saying, rejoice. Now, in this passage, the way it is written, it's written in the intensive position, meaning that this is something that you can do. I think sometimes in our culture, we think that happiness is something that happens to us. That, oh, you know, the, the Chiefs win tonight. We're all happy. We say the 49ers win. They're all happy. I, I put in here that there was going to be a applause line after one of those. So, uh, so let's do that again. If the Chiefs win tonight, we're all going to be happy. Uh, if, if the 49ers win, they're all going to be happy. Ah, okay. Okay. But here's the thing. Here's what this passage is saying is that it doesn't matter if a team wins or loses, you and I can be happy. Now, that's an important principle. He, he almost demands it. He says, you be happy. I remember having that conversation with our kids. We're going to go to church and you're going to like it. And that's really what he's saying. He's saying, be happy. You have an obligation to be happy. So we need to celebrate God's goodness. Rejoice. In the Lord, notice he says rejoice in the Lord. That's key because if we're happy because the team wins or loses or because things go good at work or if our marriage is going great or if our kids are well adjusted and they're doing great, that's one thing to be happy. But what he says here, what we need to be happy in is in the things of the Lord, what God has done in our life. We sing songs like this. It's, it's a celebration of what God has done in our life. That, and the reason why the songwriters have written that is because those are the things that bring us real, personal, intimate joy. It's not in the things that we do or accomplish. It's in the things that God has done for us. And one of the things that we need to highlight, too, the only reason why those things get happy is because there's a contrast. In almost every one of these songs that Taylor has, has picked up for us, there's a contrast there. I was once here. Now I'm here. I was here. I did this. I was trapped in my sin. Now I'm free. That contrast is what gives us a source of joy. And therein lies a real basic principle. It's the reason why some people aren't happy is because they don't see the contrast. They, they don't see where they, have, where they could be or where they come from. They, they think that everything's fine. It's always been that way. Until there's a contrast, it's hard for us to really rejoice in the Lord. When a person loses his job and is out for months out of a job and they can't get a job, and they get a job, they get happy because of the contrast. So when he says here, rejoice in the Lord, he is saying that we need to recognize what God has done for us, and in that we will take great pleasure. If you're someone there that says, yeah, it's no big deal, Jesus died on the cross, you haven't entered into your sin, basically. You haven't entered into how wretched you are. As one professor of mine said one time, you haven't entered into the fact that you are nothing but a pimple on the page of life waiting for the almighty hand of God to pop you. And really, that's true. To think that the creator of this universe came and gave of himself so that he could have an intimate, personal relationship with you and me, that's something to rejoice about.
Let's go on to the second point here. Celebrate God's goodness. Next is ask with compassion, with specifics, and with thanksgiving. Notice in this passage, he says there, let be anxious for nothing, which by the way, I, I wish you wouldn't have said that. The pejorative terms in here, rejoice in the Lord always. Don't be anxious in anything. Those pejoratives, I wish they weren't in there because there are times when we are anxious. In fact, I was thinking this week as I was thinking, why am I so anxious about preaching this sermon on it, not being anxious? <laughs> it's, a, it's nearly impossible not to be anxious about things in life. But he's, he reminds us, don't be anxious about anything. And then he tells us how. He says, Let, uh, in everything, um, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. He gives us three concepts there. Ask, and I put on here, ask with compassion. I'm absolutely convinced that what Christ is desiring as we see issues in our, in our life, that he desires us to talk it out with him. That's where I pick up the prayer side. So take for a minute and think about what are you anxious about? What are you nervous about? What, what, what are you just unsettled about? What this first principle revolves around is that we bring it to God and we talk it out with him. He desires a conversation now, some people think prayer is this, oh, yeah, we gotta, we got to memorize things. And there's, you know, we memorize things, nothing wrong with those. And we fill our mouths with a bunch of marbles so it comes out like these and thous. And it, that's, that's not it. What God desires is that we simply have a conversation with God. I don't know if you've wondered how some people can spend hours and hours in prayer. Well, that's how they do it, is as they come in, they talk through what they're anxious about, and they simply talk to God about it. They talk through the various nuances of it. And that is, are the, the moments that that happens are the times that you will find God nestling nuss, up to you and whispering in, in your ear the comfort that he naturally does, can give. So whatever it is that you're, you're wrestling with, the very first step is talk it out with God. Find a quiet place and Bring it and talk it through with God. Talk about what's good, what's bad, what, what you're concerned about, where it could go, where it might not go. Talk about the people that are involved with it and are impacted. And after a while, you'll find that one cell talk brings you to another issue and, and another one brings you to another issue. And after a while, you wake up and you say, man, I, I think I just spent an hour in prayer. How did I do that? Then he gives us the second thing. With specifics, he said, uh, with supplication. What that carries with it, the idea, is being specific. Leanne and I were having an issue here, and we were, we were, we, it's a business decision that we're trying to think through, and we committed to prayer. And then at the end of it, I really, it struck me, why don't we ever ask God to be very specific what we want? Sometimes we go right immediately at what we think ought to happen. You know, just go right here. Um, so we just go, this is what we want to happen. Father, please heal this person. Or Father, please answer this financial question we have. Or, or deal with this issue at work. We go right there. And this is how I think you ought to do it. And then we get off of it. But you miss the idea of the conversation with God and working it through. And then the second thing is, is be specific. Nothing wrong with that. But the way we bring it is let God take control. And we'll get to that in the next point here. I don't want to miss this next point. So the Prayer is simply conversation, talking it out. Supplication speaks of specifics. This is the way I would like to see this come out. Nothing wrong with that. As long as you don't put demands on it. God, if you don't answer it this way, then something's wrong with you. You make that kind of statement, something's wrong with you. 
So let's go to the next point, and that is with Thanksgiving. This whole conversation needs to be revolved and bathed in a spirit of thankfulness. There's a basic principle in psychology, and you can read this in textbooks. Anxiety and Thanksgiving can't exist together. When you're anxious about things, one of the first things we need to go do is pray, talk to God, be specific, and make sure that it's bathed in a spirit of thankfulness. Uh, back about a year ago, I lost my church secretary. She was a great godly saint. Even thinking about it makes me um, get weepy. Um, she was a great woman. She had a beehive back in the 80s. That was, for those of you who don't know what a beehive is, it, think of Marge Simpson. And, uh, she, and, and she had it. She, she loved it. And she was, no, but she was a godly woman. She taught me so many things about life and about ministry. She was one of those warriors that had spent 30 or 40 years in a church, in a little small Baptist church, and she just loved God. One of her favorite sayings was, you can't outgive God. I, would, I have to be able to work with her in, on, on most of her finances, and she died a very wealthy woman after giving away thousands and thousands of dollars. One of the last, um, when she was cruising toward going home to glory, I had a conversation with her. And she said, you know, Mike, you're going to do my funeral, right? And I said, oh, Pat, I don't want to even talk about that. I said, no, you got to do my funeral. I said, well, I wish you would have made it easier for me to say something nice about you. <laughs> and she, she started laughing. And I said, well, what do you want me to say? And she said, I've lived a great life. And after 20 minutes, I've just throwing up all the great things that God had done for her. Her kids, her grandkids, her husband, her ministries, the missionaries that she saw go on the field that she gave thousands of dollars for. And the kids that spun off of that are now in the ministry because of her. I didn't realize this, but at the time her son came and told me afterwards that that was about the time that she was really overwhelmed with problems physically. And she didn't tell anybody. She didn't complain. The doctor said, it, and her son didn't even know that she had open sores on her body from, from her waist on up to her armpits, open sores of cancer that were just eating away at her body. And nobody knew it. There are some of us that I think in some circumstances we'd be looking at the sores on their body and not thinking about what God had done. She chose to rejoice in the Lord always to bring her petitions to the Lord with a spirit of thankfulness. Let's get to the next one before I turn into a puddle of mush up here. Um, the, the, the next one is leave the concern with God. He said, let your request be made known unto God, unto God. It's not up to us to try to, to fix everything. Where we get so caught up and we get so anxious is when we, we feel like it's on us. We have to fix it. It's on us. Let me play a game here for just a second. Will you repeat after me? I understand 
here on this day, February 11th, 2024, that I am not the ruler of the universe. All right, good. Now, what that means, now think about this. You can't control everything. You can't control everything in your life. And if you think you can, is when this spirit of anxiousness and peace goes right out the window. I had a um, power nailer, one of my favorite power nailers, nailers. Somebody gave it to me. It was really great. And uh, I started to take a part, and I realized I w- it was above my pay grade. So I called the tool shop guy, brought it into him, and I set it on the counter. He filled out a ticket, and he took my power tooler tool, tool into the back room. And then I said, well, can I watch you do that? Um, watch you take it apart and watch you fix it. And he pointed to a sign. He said, um, if you don't bother me while I fix your tools, no charge. If you bother me, I charge double. <laughs> <laughs> and really what he's saying is, just leave it to me. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. I can fix it. In many ways, that's what we need to do with God. God knows what he's doing. And it comes down to trust. Reason why we get so anxious and peace and joy flies out the window is because we just don't trust God. So the natural question is, where are you on that trust level? Are you the type of person that needs to constantly work things in and and meddle with things? That leads us to the last principle, and I won't spend much time on it, but it's meditate on good things. You'll notice what follows up in this passage in Philippians. He goes on, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are honorable, whatever things are right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, if there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the end result? And the peace of God shall be with you. So you see, there's two things in this passage. Trust in God. Give it to God in prayer. Supplication. Be specific with the spirit of thanksgiving. And then practice these things. That's the concept of of a very familiar song. I think you know it. Uh, Some of you should know it. It begins with these words. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Look at the words in the next verse. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, nor a sigh, nor a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Oh, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends, we will go. 
Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Sing it with me, will you? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Father, some of the hardest things in life is to trust. To trust you, Father, when we don't see you. To trust you when there's so many doubts raging. The world is constantly whispering in our ear that you're not even real. Father, help us just to lean into you. Help us to love you and be so appreciative of all that you've done in our lives. Help us to experience that joy that you offer us. Help us to trust and then follow up with obedience to do the things that we've been taught and to follow through and encourage others in our lives to follow you and to trust you as well. So, Father, bless us as we seek to do your, your will. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got a video that we'd like to share with you, somebody that's kind of implement this in, in a very real way. So let's take a look at that, and then we'll follow up with some question and answers. I'm Craig Stevens, and uh, Stacy and I have been coming to First Family uh, since uh, fall of 2017. And that's actually the time that we actually uh, both came to Christ and, and were saved. Um, I'm a retired uh, doctor. Uh, I was a cardiologist, and so it was a, a wonderful career, really, uh, uh, over 40, spanned over 40 years, uh, 35 of which I was a cardiologist. Um, and uh, it was really a, a great honor uh, in, in that time. I was focused on circumstances around me and uh, was made happy by the things that happened to me and around me. Just the sheer uh, uh, satisfaction in my own abilities, I think, to, to bring about uh, a good outcome for, for a patient, that would give me a great joy. And, and it was more, I think, based on my pride and my abilities. Over time, it uh, frankly, it disappeared because over time, I think I recognized that uh, in myself, I really could not anticipate all the things that would happen. Just recently, we, we lost our, uh, two of our youngest daughters, you know, unexpectedly. And um, it's a great tragedy, really. I, you know, it's probably the hardest thing I ever faced in life, really. Um, but there's a comfort that you get from God that hopefully you can comfort others, you know, in their time of need. In Hebrews 13, he tells us that he will never forsake us or desert us, uh, that we can count on him. And we know that God never changes, that, that he doesn't lie. We can, we can stand on his promises. So I think this, this gives you an inner joy that um, 
is just with you all the time. That, uh, And frankly, just going through the recent things, I, I don't know how I would get through that without that. Joy is not based on the circumstances around us. It's based on, uh, in God's word, really knowing um, our eternal outcome. I think that we know that um, the circumstances come in life that are hard, and none of us escape those things. But we can have a, a joy in the fact that um, by through faith, we have righteousness, and through that righteousness, we are saved. And, and Jesus came to this earth to shed his blood for us, and we, we were bought with a price, and we are a new person now. The old has gone away, and we were baptized into that. Uh, the old man was buried, and now we're a new person in Christ. Thank God, praise God. He wants us to be obedient just because he knows ultimately that's what leads to happiness in our life here. And that was my downfall pre-salvation that I didn't read the Bible. Um, and I, I didn't abide by those things. And um, uh, now I do, and I know the difference. There's a futility in life apart from God, I think. And I experienced that. I would never, ever want to go back there. The Christian life uh, is J-O-Y, joy, Jesus, others than you. <laughs> it's good to hear testimonies from our body, isn't it? Other folks who walk the road with us together. Mike, thanks so much, first of all. Let me, I'm going to begin with this question. I get the impression you're saying happiness and joy are the same. Well, Talk us through that, yes or no, and, and no, you're I think, easy. I think I think there is a difference, but I, I don't want to make too much of that. I think we cut that too finely. Mm -hmm. I think I think happiness is happiness, right? And so, um, but Joy cares with the idea that it's more solid, it's more internal, and it's not based on the external things. I think happiness is things that go on. I think it, you'd be hard-pressed in my mind. You're right. In my mind, I think they're very, very similar. But joy is kind of that deeper level that it transcends situations and it's not dependent on what happens around us. Um, like we can be happy about a team winning a, bat, a football game, um, but that it can only go so far, right? So, I actually would even go a step further. First of all, good answer there. Oh, okay. uh, I feel like I'm, a, I'm, I'm being tested here. I, if I could be this bold. It uh, makes me happy. I feel like you're going to... No, no, I want you to stay close here. Right. I would go a step further and just say, I think it, some of the divisions man-made and American-made, I think it's been used by preachers to try to create contrast that may not actually exist in the Bible. In fact, I would challenge you to investigate the word happiness from an Old Testament perspective. It's a very biblical word that connotes deep down um, satisfaction that has legacy to it. In the Old Testament, it, it involved... Uh, a man's land, his home, his family, his children, passing it on to the next generation. Uh, it involved knowing you were free from your sins. Psalm 32, one, happy is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Uh, Psalm 1, blessed or happy is the man who meditates on the word. And so the word blessed and happy are very synonymous in the Old Testament, and it carries over to the new. So I just want to say to you with great boldness, and I'm glad you're joining me in this, that I think our church should be... Uh, readily and willingly um, courageous to say we are glad that we can be happy in the Lord. Amen. Nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you some shallow person who like, 
well, I, I, I want to be joyful, but, you know, I'm just only happy now. They're both good words. Embrace them. And let's not be ashamed that we're a happy people and we're also a joyful people. There probably are some differences, but they're not as great as what some folks will make it out to be. They're both biblical words that we should embrace. Amen. I love that. And, Amen. And God wants us to be happy. I mean, Amen. I think I think that, that's a, something yeah. some people have overcoming. It's like it's a badge of honor to be sad. It's like Amen. I don't think it is. God wants us to be happy. Amen. He blesses us with every spiritual gift. Yeah, it's just yeah, God wants next question. Okay. Um, <laughs> he's on. You're just chomping all morning. I like that. Okay. Um, here's the next question, and I'm going to start with you. Is mental illness a sin, or is depression a sin? Maybe you want to just separate those, or I'll just leave this with you. Good okay, question. So, so my background to understand sin is missing the mark. And so anything, it, it, it's a millet, or a hunting term that speaks of if you shoot an arrow, you go out to catch game, you shoot an arrow, and you miss the mark, you go home hungry. You miss a little, doesn't matter. You still go hungry. If you miss a lot, doesn't matter. You still go hungry. So sin is missing a mark. And in my mind, I believe it's a conscious effort to sin, meaning I intentionally go against God's will and his principle. So I would spin it back on whoever asked this question and say, where is the conscious act that leads to sin? That is a sin. And mental illness may be a product of some bad decisions, but I don't think in and of itself is a, a sin. And it's the same as depression. And I know some people deal with depression. I don't think that is a sin. I think it may be a product of a sin. But in and of itself, it's not a sin. Can you go to the root reason or you say the product of a sin? What's the initial original sin that all, that everything comes from? Yeah, I, I think it's pride, arrogance, and selfishness. Um, that was the first sin found in, in Satan, Lucifer. It, and that's... To me, that's that is the ultimate. Everything kind of shapes up into those two categories. It's, it's, um, yeah. You know, so we're broken because of the fall. Right. That's the original. And so, um, when and here's the way I look at it too, Mike. When things are broken, that's not a sin. I, I I have bad eyes at times. My hearing may go out. I may have some chemical issues, and some of you may as well that that called your body not to work right. That's a result of the fall that's not a sin in and of itself persisting in that right or using that accelerating that leveraging that would be a sin but the condition itself is a brokenness that's not a sin per se that's a good good answer Yeah. yeah good question too i hope that helps let's go to question number three how would you help a family member i.e a son daughter mom or dad that deals with depression maybe we could insert the phrase. I'm speaking here for them, perhaps. This is one from our, one of our campuses, I believe. Uh, maybe a lack of joy. That's a that's a great question. Um, I remember, and maybe Emily can attest to this, but I remember coming into the kids and say, "All right, this is no negative zone today. We are going to be happy, whether you like it or not." And and it, pretty soon it does. It takes on that flavoring. So one of the things I would typically say, very lovingly, go to a son or daughter and say, "I know you're feeling depressed right now." But we don't have to stay there. Today, we're going to be happy. So that's number one. It's a choice. And I do take counsel in the fact that Paul wrote, he commanded it. Rejoice. Be happy. It's a command you can carry out. You can choose to be happy. Now, some people in our culture today feel like our feelings are all over the place and we can't control them. That's a bunch of hogwash. We can control our emotions. We can choose to be happy. Now, And the other thing that goes along with it, 
a lot of times when you get in situations like this is you start looking at what they're reading, what they're looking at. Um, I mean, you can't hardly watch TV anymore without just really terrible things being filled with our minds. We're trying to we feel like we have to compete with people that are uh, on online and or on TV. And there's it's just we're filling our heads with trash. And the more that we can fill our minds, what he says there at the end of of uh, Philippians is whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are lovely, whatever things is honorable, that's what we need to be giving our attention to. And the more that we feed our mind with those kind of things, the more natural it is to uh, to to be rejoicing. I got a copy of uh, Image, uh, no, Imagine Heaven. It's nothing but a book of accounts of people that had near-death experiences. They've cut, they've died. 10, 15 minutes, and they brought they were brought back, and they interviewed him very, very legitimately. Just say, tell us what you saw, tell us what happened, and story after story of people coming, being confronted with Jesus Christ, Muslims being confronted with Jesus Christ, and them telling their story. I tell you what, it when you see what hap, what what's really going on behind the scenes, and you hear these stories, of what's going on, man, it's it's exciting. It is, and it's hard to be. It's hard to be depressed when you see what God has done. Let me throw a verse uh, your way that might help as well in this question. Uh, Psalm 51, David prays, to he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. So I think it's appropriate and proper to ask God through his Holy Spirit to revive, to renew, to refocus your mind on what he has done for you so that you can experience joy again. That'd be one way to help a family member through their depression. I loved your part about contrast. Well, that was a very insightful uh, practical application point that if we refuse to contrast what we were to what we are, we might find ourselves lacking joy. I know Julie gave me a good nudge and an amen. Like I was kind of like, amen. <laughs> it's good to think about the necessity of contrast. That's what David's doing there. Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He was repenting. He was in a physically difficult place because of his sin, mourning. And God did that. The Holy Spirit restored him, renewed him, refocused him, and he experienced joy. So if you have a family member that may be going through difficult times, I would focus them on the cross, on their salvation, remind them, ask God to renew that in their heart. Perhaps you'd see that increase again. I, yeah. It's interesting, Leanna, we try to get together every morning and have, you know, check in with each other to have a little bit of devotions. But Leanne just made a comment and um, she says, I just don't feel like God's working in our life. And I said, wait a minute, time out. Let's just ta talk through what's happened in the last week on how we can see God in our life. And within five minutes, of our, the spirit in the room just totally radically changed. We're just, I think it's a tool of the evil one to get us so trapped in the immediacy that we don't look back and see the amazing things that God has done in our lives. And Amen. that's the reason why they built piles of rocks in the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they just pile a rock. What's that rock here for? Oh, that's when God, you know, busted out the water and go to another pile of rocks. And, you know, there's, you know, that's where somebody was healed of leprosy or something, you know. Over there, they won that football game, you know, right there. So, Mike, thanks, buddy. Appreciate that so much. Why don't we practice a little bit what we actually just uh, rehearsed together? Let's renew, uh, remember, review. Let's think about the contrast, where we were and now what we are because of God's great love and work on our behalf.
So would you bow your heads with me for a few moments? Our ushers are going to get in place for communion. And what a beautiful way to actually remember together the work of Christ on our behalf. Band's going to join me out on the stage. And let's just linger for a bit again this week, can we? In fact, can we just pray this in the Spirit? Based on Ephesians 6.18, we're instructed to pray in the Spirit. Can we ask God the Father through God the Holy Spirit to renew and refocus us so that we rejoice? And again this week, just above a whisper, would you pray that right there in the sanctuary of your seat? Holy Spirit, refocus me, renew me. Maybe we can add in there, remind me so that I can rejoice.